Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode 111, or as J.R.R. Tolkien calls it in the Lord of the Rings, welcome to episode 111. I'm Ryan Nilsson. Ryan, your nerdness knows no bounds, and that I'm Mike Natal. We are your hosts, and this is part five of our teamwork series. The teamwork series is all about how we can forge the tools, the skills, the methods of work, the healthy culture, and attitudes that we need to work well together in our churches. Today's topic, we are going to be talking about Coliseum battle royales to the death because our topic is handling disagreement on your teams, which I think the best thing is just to go to the wall of weapons and say, pick and let's see who comes out on top. That is the direction that we will go in. Disagreements. <laughs> the, the death match of every church. That's probably not healthy, but you know what? We should probably talk a little bit about that. We need to talk about disagreements. It's something we don't like to talk about. Disagreements and conflict. You know, I have to disagree with you there, Ryan, because I love talking about conflict. That's okay. You're entitled to your own wrong opinions. That's fine. I am in full unsupport of what you just said to me, and now I am triggered. So thank you. It actually would be funny if the podcast fell apart while we're recording this episode. Okay about yeah. handling disagreements. I mean, that actually would be the best way for us to go out. If we're going to end the show. In a blaze of glory. A uh, Coliseum <laughs> Battle Royale. There's The only thing that and, I can remember, there's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, which I have no idea or any frame of reference other than he's like in this circular pit and they're like fighting against each other. And he does this one scene where he takes his knuckles and he dips it into like glue and the next thing he goes over and he dips it into broken glass and then they fight against each other what? i don't know what it's called but i'm almost positive wow i have that etched into my adhd brain i'll i'll look it up as wow. you're as you're uh waxing philosophically oh, about these three points that we have today i'll look okay. up the movie and uh see if i can find out what exactly it is so ryan why don't you take us through our lovely. first of three points the first one is know your conflict styles what do you mean by that let me just make a couple introductory comments here first before we dive into this and so so one thing is that conflict is healthy it is okay to have conflict and disagreement in your church. And actually, we think it's a problem if it ever exists or we acknowledge it. But actually, it's probably more of a problem if there's never any disagreement and there's never any conflict. The question is what we do when we have disagreement. So we're going to mainly focus our conversation around disagreement. We're going to use the term conflict. Conflict and disagreement, they sometimes overlap and they sometimes don't. Like conflict can often be like deeper rooted but it can emerge in disagreements. And so we want to, we just want to talk about things more at the disagreement level. Really, even when we use the word conflict, we're really focused on disagreements when we're not on the same page and we're trying to get there. So the first thing we are talking about today is knowing your conflict styles. So conflict styles are, are the ways that we approach disagreement or conflict. And there is a tool called the Thomas Kilman conflict modes instrument. So we'll, we'll put a link to this in the show notes so you can check this out for yourself. But it's a tool that it's like a personality assessment that you can take. But what it focuses on is how you handle disagreement or conflict, how you respond to it. 
And it's important to know how we handle this because when we're in a group, when we're in a team, we probably all have different conflict styles. So when there is a disagreement, our natural instinct is to handle it in very different ways. And it's just good to be aware of that. One, so we can be aware of how we tend to respond when there is a disagreement and how our teammates do. But secondly, so that we can choose how we're going to address a disagreement. You can choose one of these different modes of addressing conflict or disagreement as a group. So let's go through them first of all. There are five different styles of conflict modes in this system. The first one is called competing. And this is very power-oriented. You are trying to win, just like the name suggests. Like you, you want to win, you want to get your way. And it has kind of a zero-sum mindset to it. Like you really want to advocate, you think your way is the best, and you want to get it accomplished. So this approach, all of these fit on a kind of a matrix too of assertiveness and cooperativeness. Okay, so assertive means in this context, it means that you're focused on getting and expressing your needs, the outcome that you want, your agenda. So you are saying what you want and what you're aiming for. Cooperative is about focusing on the on the needs of others and on mutual relationships. So competing as a style, a power-oriented, we're going to get your way, it's highly assertive, but it's not cooperative at all. Okay, another style is called collaborating, and it is an attempt to find a solution by consensus. You try to expand the number of options. You try to get creative about how you can come to an agreement, and you try to find win-win solutions where everybody wins. This is highly assertive because you're trying to advocate for and express what you want. It's also really important to you what other people want and feel and think as well. And this approach can take a lot of time, but there's a lot of ownership and momentum that builds behind it. And it's a fairly healthy approach. Another style is called avoiding. And this is when you <laughs> guess guess what this would be, Mike. Take a wild guess. Uh, I'm going to refrain from answering this question. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, this is when you avoid the conflict. You won't address the disagreement or the conflict, you withdraw and you maintain neutrality. Okay. So this is neither assertive or cooperative. It's not cooperative and it's not assertive, right? So you stay out of it. The next type is called accommodating. And this is kind of the, the opposite of a p competing. You, you sacrifice your own viewpoint to satisfy someone else's. You are trying to maintain harmony and you kind of give in or seed ground to other people. So this approach is unassertive, but highly cooperative. Okay. And then the last type, the fifth type is called compromising. And this is kind of in the middle. It's somewhat assertive and it's somewhat cooperative where you are looking for a mutually uh, acceptable solution that partially satisfies everybody involved. It's minimally acceptable to everybody and, and as a way to leave relationships undamaged, where everybody kind of gets their way and everyone kind of doesn't. So again, it's partly assertive and partly cooperative. So those are the five different styles. When you do this kind of a, a test on yourself, you usually find a, a natural type and a backup. So when I did it, so my natural style is accommodating. My initial approach is I'm willing to give on my viewpoint to help make sure other people are involved and get their way, which, you know, that sounds very nice, but it's also can be very unhealthy too. 
And then my backup style is collaborating, which is, uh, again, very assertive and very cooperative. So everyone has like probably those two types of styles somewhere in there. And you could probably, without even taking a test, you could probably make some guesses about where you land. Let me make a couple other comments about this. And then I'd, I'd like to hear what you think about this, Mike. So, so one thing is that each of these styles is correct in certain circumstances. So you can go through this list and say, oh, I really don't like that one. Or I don't like this one. So you might, you might say, oh, competing. That's terrible. Why would you ever do that? Or you might say, oh, avoiding. Why would you ever do that? Or, oh, accommodating. There is a good time to use each of these. And there is a bad time to use each of these as well. And again, if you understand these styles, you can use a style that you're not naturally used to using. You can better understand where your teammates are coming from. So if you're an accommodator or an avoider, understanding that you have a teammate that's a com competing person helps you realize, okay, I need to be more assertive in this situation because this person's expecting that. That's just how they're thinking and operating. And it's okay and also important for me to also be assertive. So these five were put out by this Thomas Kilman, right? Yep. So his name is already perfect. Kilman. There we go. Battle Royale. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, here's the part that's really interesting about it. Do you respect him as an individual? I think it's two different people. Thomas Kilman? Yeah. Oh, I don't know that's who what they you are. get for having a first name as your last name, I guess. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So these two people, do you respect their opinion? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Because they use alliteration here. Uh, you know, look, no, three C's, what? two A's. You're welcome. Okay. So anyway, oh. um, one of the things that I wrote down as we were going through competing to and collaborating and also even compromising, one of the things that I that keeps running through my brain is this. What might be a good time for you to use a certain situation mm -hmm. might be bad for others. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong. So that's one of the things that that I oftentimes think of, like, say you're an elder on your board and the board just isn't making decisions. They just get together and all they do is talk, but nothing actually gets done. But they talk about the issues. Mm -hmm. An individual who's on that board could get incredibly frustrated because they need to step up to the plate and go into that competing mentality. We need to make a decision. We need to move ahead. And if no one's going to do it, I'm going to take the initiative to do it. And so while that might be good for you, the aftermath of it might not be good for another person. You might offend. Oh, heaven forbid I say this word. You might offend someone, make somebody feel like you're stepping on their toes, make them mm -hmm. feel like you're making the decisions without consulting them. And so what I, what I don't want people to hear is like all of these will work perfectly in all situations. But know also that as you're using some of these instruments or modes, if you will, some people might not agree with them, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right mode. You might mm -hmm. need to be that person yeah. that pushes forward, but the same could also be true. You might need to be that person who needs to be accommodating at that time. Yeah. And maybe it's yeah. not exactly how you want it done. Maybe it's not exactly the way that you would do it if you were the one in charge, but sometimes accommodating works, mm -hmm. sometimes competing works, mm -hmm. you know? And so it really just depends on something that we covered in episode 109 in our previous teamwork series is kind of identifying where you're at as a board and realizing sometimes you need to kind of kickstart stuff or 
sometimes you need to step back and allow somebody else to kind of take the reins for a moment. Yeah. I think it is so, so important to reflect on where you line up and be aware of that. So you can control how you're impacting the rest of the group. But it's also important if you're in charge of leading a team or in an elder board or a different type of team that you understand these these dynamics. So for an example, if you have one or two people on your team that are natural competitors, you may notice the other people don't jump in because the competitors offer their ideas right away. They're really assertive. They're very strong-willed in the way they express it and kind of make it difficult to, they might shoot down other ideas as soon as they hear them. If you allow that to keep going on, you're going to totally tune out and disenfranchise the other people on your team. And you may never hear your best ideas. You've set yourself up so that only the competitors that speak up quickly are going to contribute. And so we'll get into this a little bit later in this in this show, but there are things you can do to help work through disagreements, but you have to be intentional about it. There are times when you'll have somebody on your team that's an avoider that you may need to ask them specifically, hey, what do you think we should do in this situation? And they just as soon stay out of it. You know, there are, there are ways you can draw people out. Here's just a quick run through of, of different times to use these different methods. And again, this isn't from me. This is from one of the groups that uses this tool. You use competing when you need to make a quick decision, when you have a really important but unpopular issue at stake, and there isn't really a right way. Nobody really wants to deal with this situation. There's no specific right answer. It's really important. You got to just deal with it. A good time to use collaborating is when everybody involved, all their concerns are too important to be compromised or pushed out of the way. When you need insights from other people and different perspectives, you're dealing with long-term issues in your church. Collaborating is really important. Compromising is good when you have somewhat important goals, but it's not worth the disruption that you could have by competing or collaborating. You want to get something quickly. You've got two parties that have different goals in mind. That's a time to use compromising. Avoiding a good time is when it's something trivial. You're not going to get what you want. The problems of confrontation are worse than you know engaging. Those are times to do avoiding when you can just brush it off and it doesn't really matter. Accommodating is good to use when the other person you're dealing with, there's more at stake for them than there is for you. If you need to limit the relational damage that would go from ongoing disagreement or conflict, and when you're wrong, it's a really good time to accommodate. And again, we'll, we'll link this in the show notes, but I do know one, one of the challenges on a team is some people are quick to speak and others aren't. And if only those who are quick to speak and are very assertive or competing, if they're the only ones that speak into an issue, you're not going to deal with your disagreements. You're not going to find your best solutions. And you'll allow some people to dominate a team. And you just, you don't want, that's not, it's not what a team is all about. And I think that this goes back to a personal relationship with the individuals yeah. on your yeah. board or on your committee or, or anything. I also, this might sound cliche, but I think that the important aspect of which conflict style to use needs to begin with prayer. Oh, that's good. So like, as you're getting ready to do this, so like a competing situation where you're like, I know I'm going to have to assert myself and I'm going to have to make this decision because we're not going to. I hope that you would enter into that situation, having already prayed that God would give you the words to speak in that situation. Same thing with accommodating. 
you know, Lord, allow me to honor and respect the other people on my board by allowing their thought processes or their opinions to be heard and allow mine. If I'm the one who is constantly giving my opinions to step back and think about it. And that's where like a one-on-one conversation with people in your board works out wonderfully. If you can have a conversation and be like, Hey, where do you think you fall on this spectrum? What are you most accustomed to here? And then asking the question, so where do you think another person on the board is? And how do you think knowing where they are is going to help you communicate with that person and collaborate with that person more effectively? And so I think that initially starts with prayer. Then it comes into having personal conversations with the individuals, and then it's helping them to identify what skill set, traits, characteristics, the other individuals on your board have, and just being respectful of that. Because basically that's what these five are all a matter of respect. You know, the reason why we're talking through this is so we can respect the other individuals Mm -hmm. on our board and function as healthy as possible. Yeah. I think that with this understanding these different approaches, you can even in your meeting just say, you know, time out. I think it'd be good for us to talk about what's the best way we're not on the same page. What's the best way to talk about our disagreement here? Which what approach can we take? Just kind of step outside of yourselves for a second. And you're also disconnecting yourself from the tension around the disagreement. That that's separate from who we are in our relationships, this disagreement. And using tools like this just helps you to kind of differentiate between who you are and the issue you're trying to resolve. Solid. All right, let's move on to the next section. So the first section is knowing your conflict style. The next section is know how to use structured decision-making processes. Ryan, what are structured decision-making processes? (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a really boring concept. Doesn't it? The structured decision-making processes. So here's what we're talking about. We talked about this actually quite a bit in episode 90. So if you want to hear that, go back and check that out. That was already 19 episodes ago. Man, that's almost half a year ago that we released that. That's, That's wild. So go check out that episode. We talk about that a little bit more. But here's just really quickly. Oftentimes when we are making a decision as a group, we maybe will do it very informally. So we'll say, hey, okay, we got to decide when we're going to have this meeting. And we may just all sit and wait for someone else to speak up. The first idea, we may go, okay, uh, what does everybody think? Everybody good with that? And no one says anything. So we say, okay, let's do that. That's like a very, very informal consensus process. And a lot of times we make our decisions that way. We come without an idea or a solution and we come to the meeting without a solution and wait for the first person to share one. We may go with the first one that's suggested And that means that, again, the more vocal or more quick to speak people might steer the ship more than you want to have happen. And you might not have heard your best ideas yet. So especially, you know, when the stakes are higher, you want to draw out your different options. And and if you always work that way, we're just like, okay, what do you want to do? First person speaks, they get their way. You're going to create conflict. You're going to start brewing underground conflict and disagreement in your team that where other team members may resent some of the others. Like, I didn't get a chance to talk. I didn't feel like it was okay for me to speak. Now I'm growing frustrated and I don't know what to do about it. And, you know, all those things can kind of build in the background and become conflict later on. 
That's why you want to have a structured decision-making process at times. And that just means you're deliberate about the steps that are involved in making a decision. You know, here are a few things that you can do to, to help with that. So if you bring a problem, bring a proposal, have a, a draft of a decision that you can debate. But, you know, if you do that and you come into your meeting with a written proposal for a decision, you also need to have time to say, okay, what would be the problem with this approach? Or has anybody thought of any other solutions? And if we were going to disagree with this idea, what would we say? So that you you create space for someone to voice a different opinion. Another thing you can do is the, the nominal group technique. And I believe we covered that in more detail in episode 90. We're not going to go into that. But basically, it breaks down all the steps of making a decision. You're taking them one at a time. You throw out all the ideas. You brainstorm. Then you evaluate them. And then you vote on them. And so it slows down so that everyone participates in every phase of a decision-making process. Some other great principles that uh, there's a great book called Teams That Thrive. We mentioned that book in episode 109. And there are a few things they recommend too. Have robust dialogue when you're in the middle of a decision. Cultivate healthy conflict. Make it okay to disagree. You know, when you're not on the same page on something and you're voicing different opinions and you feel stuck, that could be a great time to say, hey, I just want to say this is really healthy that we don't all have the same opinion on this and we're able to talk about that in a, in a safe and respectful way. Like, this is really great that we're able to handle this this way. You listen to each other in equal amounts. So especially a higher stakes thing, everyone gets five minutes to say why they support this or that solution. Give each other equal space. Try to view the decisions from the church's vantage point. Take your time in making the decision. And if something is awkward or tough, you can use a straw man argument. Uh, you can use a straw man to encourage people to say difficult things. So, so an example of that would be, you know, if someone were to disagree with that, what would they say? Or if someone were to propose a different idea, what, what would some of those ideas be? So people don't have to personally say what they think. They can imagine other arguments. And that becomes a safer way for people to say what they think. So those are some things that are involved in more formal decision-making processes to, to kind of think through more carefully what all goes into a decision. Another kind of way this can be implied too is even, even with one person making a decision, you can be more careful in the decision-making process. So if you have a someone on your team is responsible for something and they got to make a decision, they may need to get input from a lot of people. And so you can coach them in connecting with, okay, who are all the people that are going to be affected by this? You need to go and talk to all of them. You're not ready to make a decision until you've spoken to all of them and you've heard their thoughts, ideas, concerns. Then you're ready to make a decision that's best for the church and your ministry. Yeah, knowing how to make decisions in a healthy manner can benefit you on so many levels. Having that structure of your decision-making processes mm -hmm. is something that really is, it's probably one of those things where at first it seems arbitrary, then it feels difficult in order to build something like that, like spending that amount of time. But then once it's already enacted, it makes everything run a lot smoother, which is nice. So like you might have to put in a little bit more work in the beginning, but then you fall into a, a rhythm. It's kind of like the situation with Lindsay and I taking care of Joyce before she passed away, yeah. where it's like at first when she moved out with us, there was definitely a transition. There was definitely a point where we needed to 
invest more time. But then we kind of fell into a rhythm. And then the rhythm changed when she went on hospice and we fell into another rhythm. You know, what nurses are coming? Who's doing what? When is it going to happen? How? But then once you establish that, then you fall back into it. And I think that that's the same thing with this second portion where you're talking about decision-making processes. If you have them already in place, it might seem difficult in the beginning, but you're setting yourself up for success moving forward, which I think is important to tell people like, yeah. This is not going to be something that is just a breeze to do. This is going to take intentionality and purposeful direction in order for you to do and realize that it's going to be more difficult. But here's a phrase that I totally love. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Ryan, or not, but I love asking the question, is the juice worth the squeeze? Oh, and so you need to ask yourself that as you're going through these decision-making processes, like as yeah. you're going through it, don't get bogged down in the, oh, this is so tedious, yeah. but like, yeah. look at it in terms of setting up for the future, what benefits are going to come out of this. And so I always think about it in terms of that, like, is the juice worth the squeeze because then it's yeah. worth the effort put into yeah. it. So, yeah, that's a great one. That, that's like, uh, is, is this a hill worth dying on or mm -hmm. yeah. Is it worth the cost of getting into this issue? Yeah. 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 That's good. All right. So we've gone through two thirds of our handling disagreement section. First one, know your conflict styles. Second is know how to use structured decision-making processes. And then our third and final is know how to navigate conflict. This can be incredibly difficult because if you've ever been in conflict, you've probably said something that you straight up regret saying right there in the moment. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that has to do with how you navigate it ahead of time. So like we, yeah. Lindsay and I did foster care with kids. Uh, yeah, obviously who else? Is, well, and one of the things they really taught was how to healthily, healthily, is that a word? Healthily? We'll sure. go with it. Even yeah, if it's we'll not, I just made it canonized, healthily navigate through conflict. And one of the ways is you are not going to be able to navigate through conflict during conflict, like a yeah. time for you to yep. teach you did something wrong is not immediately after the child has done something wrong. The appropriate time is to either pre-teach before you get into that moment mm -hmm. or after things yeah. have calmed down then teach from that level because conflict, man, sometimes you just, you can straight up lose people in the midst so, of conflict. So people need to listen to this episode before they're in conflict and learn together through stuff like this ahead of time. Yeah. Or I mean, if or they after. find themselves in conflict, mm -hmm. realize like one, that is a normal byproduct. People have different mm -hmm. opinions yeah. Yeah. that is going to happen on top of that too. Even two people with the best intentions can still be conflicting. Now, compartmentalize that even more because of sin entering in the world. And now we are not only in conflict with other people, but we're in conflict within ourselves, oh, being yeah, both it. a saint and a sinner at the same yeah. time. So like this idea of being able to navigate it appropriately is something where it's like, don't try to navigate it when you're in the conflict. Try to either navigate it prior to or after the conflict has had a little bit of downtime. You know, here's another phrase, juice worth the squeeze. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. Cooler heads prevail. 
step back from the situation, Mm -hmm. take a breath and then revisit it. But that's coming from preaching to the choir because I'm notorious for when within conflict, I want to talk it all out so that we can have some sort of resolution immediately. And that's not healthy. But enough talking about me. Let's talk about how to navigate conflict. Ryan, tell us a little bit more about navigating conflict. Those are some great points. So first of all, know when it's okay to avoid conflict. Sometimes that is okay. I don't think it is. I think you should always just ram right into conflict all the time. <laughs> Sometimes we get really worked up about things that don't matter. <laughs> That's and, true. <laughs> and we want things to be fair and right, and we get really upset. So if, if you've ever seen the show Curb Your Enthusiasm, part of the framework of the show, part of his his thing, Larry David, the main character, he can never brush anything off. It doesn't matter how little or unimportant he can't let anything go. If anybody does something wrong or confusing or unusual, the gimmick of the yeah, show that's his, is uh, that shtick, right? Isn't that yes. what you call it? Thank you. Yes. He can't ever avoid or brush off conflict. And it leads to like the craziest problems. And it's hilarious to watch, except if, you, if that was you in your life, it'd be horrible. It'd be awful. <laughs> it's, it's never that funny. And unfortunately, there's no like funny music playing in the background while you're you know, your world blows up. But there are times when it's okay to avoid conflict and leave it alone. Recently, I was bothered by something and I was like, what can I do to resolve this? And it occurred to me somewhere in there, like, you know, I'm the only one being bothered by this. If I address this, it's going to create bigger issues. And I want to deal with those even less. It has zero consequences outside of that. I'm just going to ignore this thing, you know? (laughs) It's a little sad it takes me this to this point in life, get halfway through life before I realize I can do that. But that is totally okay. And then when you are having a major disagreement that's not quickly resolving or it's potentially becoming conflict, then like you said, Mike, like this is a time to kind of take a time out and deal with it. And where you say, hey, you know what? We're not on the same page on this. Let's take some time and work through this. And that's when you can do a, a few things that I wanted to share with you here. So there's a, a writer, researcher, Christian thinker named John Burns, and he's, he's written some great stuff on Christian leadership and healthy leadership. And he has this process called principled Christian conflict negotiation. And he has four steps that he uses in this. First of all, separate the people from the problem. There are a number of things you can do to do that. But basically what you're doing there is you're saying, okay, this is our disagreement or our conflict. It's separate from who these people are. Secondly, focus on interest. Like what are the issues at stake here? What are we in disagreement about and what's on the line as a part of this conversation? And this helps you realize why people are engaged on this, why it's difficult to find an outcome, and also helps you understand where you have common ground. You have some interests in common probably, but it makes it clearer what you're disagreeing on and why. And so that's where you're going around and asking everybody to share about what they think is at stake, what their, you know, what their concerns are and why they are either advocating for the position they have or concerned about the other possible outcomes that could be developed. So instead of saying, why are you disagreeing on this decision? You kind of back off and say, what's at stake here? What are you concerned will happen if we make the wrong kind of decision? And that kind of gets behind some of the motives, the underlying issues that are contributing to the disagreement. And then third, 
you explore ideas to meet the interest. So that's your brainstorm. So for, you know, in your second step, you're kind of laying out what exactly is the problem? Why is it a problem? What are, why, what are we disagreeing on? Why? And figure out all the reasons why we're disagreeing. And the third step really is what are the possible solutions to our situation? You brainstorm. At this point, you don't criticize ideas. You throw out as many ideas as you can. You let everybody take a turn sharing ideas and you go around and around and around to everyone gets all their ideas out. Then you go to step four where you, you pick the best option and you create an agreement. And at that point, you do work to select and evaluate some of the best options that are available. Now, you can do that for minor disagreements and major conflict. You can go through this process in 10 minutes or five days. Those four steps, I think, can be really, really helpful in just helping work through when you're experiencing a disagreement. I say this all the time, this acronym right here, SFED. I constantly am using the acronym SFED. SFED. S-F-E-D? Yep. Is that? Sfed. <laughs> That's good. I will commit that to memory from here on out. Sfed. Oh, my. You and acronyms. Yep, there and it is. It's not an alliterative acronym, though. Are you sure you're going to be okay with yeah, that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll make the best of it, but, okay. you know. All right. You know, before we wrap, too, there are a few things that come to my mind that I've learned, and I don't know that they necessarily fit in any one of these points, but one is that when I'm in a disagreement with somebody or I've one of the things I've learned to say first is, can you tell me more about why you're saying that or what, you, what you're thinking? I don't understand. I wonder if you could help me understand. I think I need to listen more. So I put myself in a place of humility and brokenness instead of saying, you don't make any sense. What on earth are you talking about? You say, I'm having difficulty understanding and listening. Can you tell me more about this and unpack this for me a little bit? Can you give me an example of what you're talking about? This helps... Again, slow down process, helps people cool off, and kind of gets to the bottom of what, what you're talking about. Another thing I've noticed is that people weaponize disagreement and conflict. What I mean by that is sometimes people in your church will begin conflict to get their way. So they can avoid a decision-making process and just get their way. They can get really upset and get really angry. And it's meant to just cause everyone else to back off and say, hey, fine, you do what you want. When you notice that people are doing that as a leader, you need to address that with that person or those people and say, hey, you know, we don't treat each other that way. This isn't how we handle disagreement. And my experience, you have short-circuited that method for them of trying to manipulate other people. You've taken the power out of that manipulation tactic by doing that. Another thing is the best decisions, the biggest decisions that I've experienced in ministry, there, were, there was always someone or a group of people that disagreed with them. You know, some of the healthiest ministry decisions we ever made, there was almost always somebody that was really upset about it and not in agreement on it. So we didn't have unanimity on some of the biggest, most important, healthiest decisions we made. Conflict is okay. It can be healthy. It's going to be present in a healthy church. But if we had not made those decisions to keep everybody happy, then our church would have been less healthy. We would have missed some great opportunities. And then the last thing is like handling disagreements is messy. I was looking at Acts 15 before we started recording. The Jerusalem Council, where they're wrestling with, is it okay to, you know, how do we bring the gospel to the Gentiles? And do they have to embrace Jewish customs in order to be Christians. And they wrestled with this decision. And they ultimately de decided, no, you don't have to take on Jewish customs and traditions to be followers of Christ. But if you stop and you read the chapter, 
Like it is not at all clear how they landed at that decision because there are times when clearly there is a group of elders speaking and then all of a sudden James just declares something and there's another point where <laughs> there's another point where there's this big deliberative discussion and then Paul just stands up and he like goes into competing mode and he just makes this very compelling argument the speech almost and then James just makes a decision at one point and then a few verses later it, you read, it seemed good to the elders that. So again, another collaborative conversation. Boy, disagreements are messy, and how we resolve them is a messy process. And, and we even see that in the Bible. It can be a little unclear and messy as well. Hey, Ryan, another good episode, man. Thanks, Mike. We hope that our listeners enjoyed it as well. We thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified whenever a podcast drops. We'd love it if you could share the podcast with a friend or a colleague. And we are so appreciative to have you listening to us. And we will catch you next time. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.